Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the OTPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We are live at Robercon. Yeah. Hey. That is right, folks. We have talked about it for many, many weeks now. The ODPH is a proud badge sponsor of Robercon 2019, the biggest sci-fi gaming and fantasy convention in the 607. So we decided to do an extra special panel talking the MCU. It's one of our biggest stories, most downloaded topics on the show. And is it, though? Uh, I, I would say so. Uh, okay. Does anybody care to disagree? Uh, Duffy might. I mean, Daniel I, Jones. I don't know. I thought the wrestling one got pretty good, but Dan, yeah, no, it's Daniel, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Yeah. Daniel Jones is. Daniel Jones is definitely the most. But before about. we get started, we should just do a quick introduction of the extra special panel that we have. First and foremost, joining us from the sports edition of the ODPH, and he took a break from building his Daniel Jones shrine. Yes, it is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach, Coach Duffy. It's a, it's coming. Pro, it's a, it's a pro- progress, but it looks good. It okay, did, it does look. Yeah, good. it looks it does good. Look good. Sitting next to me in studio here, or dare I say the theater, theater, is the co-host on the ODPH, you hear him every week, is the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Joining me, since we are talking Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we are also talking Marvel Comics, who better bring on than our local comic blog writer himself. From Parlay Points, you know him, I, I'm told I was supposed to say your government name, so Brian Rhodes is with us in the panel today. Brian, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How about yourself? Oh, can't complain. And if we are doing Robocon last year... This gentleman and I did the Walking Dead panel, and apparently we shut it down that they decided not to bring it back. That's what I hear. Because it was just that good. Um, they couldn't book us again, but we decided to bring him back on for this because if I'm doing it, I'm bringing the one and only Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling on. Uh, it's so good that they didn't do it again. I don't know that that's how that works. Well, you never know because, you know, we, we got told we did such a good job. They were trying to book us, and we are like, no, we got something. Well, so I thought about. that's how it worked. Like, you do something so well, and then they don't do it again next year. You kind of shut it down. No, no, we definitely shut it down. <laughs> that yeah. part happened. I'm just saying, I don't know if, 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 if it's – we're doing revisionist history here, I think. Well, we could be. So let's get talking some new stuff, shall we? Sure. Joining the conversation on social media, you can join in on our social media pages found on OchoDuraParlayHour.com. And let's use the hashtag, hashtag RoberConODPH. So we decided for this panel we wanted to talk about the MCU. There's been a lot going on over the past few months. Obviously, Avengers Endgame came, saw, and conquered the box office. And the fallout from that has kind of left a little bit of uncertainty, so we say, with what is going to be happening with Phase 4 coming up. So let me go around the panel, starting with our coach. Coach, what is your favorite MCU movie? So I, I, I gave a lot of thought to this because okay. I couldn't just narrow I was trying to narrow it down to one. Okay. And I came out with and figured uh, Winter Soldier okay. is actually my favorite because, I mean, all of the movies before were kind of just setting, you know, each character up, you know, with their, their origin story. And then this was like the first movie that really gave depth to a character, especially Captain America, who you know, is, is such an uh, important figure in the Avengers storytelling that, you know, now having some depth to the character and not just, you know, being an origin story with Red Skull, you know, really give him some sort of past, I thought was really cool. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Pad. See, I, I normally I would say Winter Soldier, but I feel like that's going to be everyone's answer for this. So I'm going to try. I, I was really hoping that I was going to be the only one. Pat. No, yeah. Like, I, normally I would say Winter Soldier, but just, you know, just for variety's sake, I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy, just because that to me was like, okay, you had everything that was set on Earth, and then you had something that kind of introduced the interstellar aspect of it, I guess you could say, where kind of, even if you're not a diehard big comics fan, you can sit there and go, okay, there's more to this than just what's on Earth. Yeah, it's called You Got Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Sweet well, Plane in Space. Yeah, there's That's that the too. real reason we like that movie. That's I it, mean, yeah. the whole playlist is good, not just yeah, that song, the yeah. whole thing. I mean, so much they released, what, two mixtapes off that? Yeah. At least. It's got to be something like that. They've got the first, they got Awesome Mix 1 for the first movie, and then Awesome Mix Volume 2 for the second one. Yep. So, who knows what 3 is going to have. All right, Brian, yours? Oh, I was going to say Guardians, but Josh had to go and beat that. I guess uh, if I had to pick one after Guardians, though, I'm probably going to go with Doctor Strange because, I mean, that also elevated it by introducing the whole magic concept to the MCU, which we hadn't, which they sort of hinted at a little bit, but it wasn't until we saw Doctor Strange tripping out and going nuts with the magic that, I don't know, I thought that was a really fun movie for Also, me. Also, the visuals in that are probably the best I've ever seen in a movie. Absolutely. Moose? So the best uh, MCU movie, that's what we're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, the I go with the one that I go back to the most. Okay. You, you go, you, you could say you watch this one. I like this one. The one, but one one do you go to back to to watch the most? And that's the first Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah. That's where they brought everybody together, up to the last one, the last forty five minutes. In my opinion, is the best action sequence in any movie anywhere ever. I, yeah, I would agree with that. The mm. last forty five minutes of that movie, once it started to once it end. You're like, that might be the greatest thing I've ever seen them put together. Now, you can argue that the last movie that put out maybe topped it. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's the movie I always go back to. Uh, it might be a generic choice, but if you think of it, you're, you're taking all those stories and putting them into one spot and say, okay, here we go. This is the beginning. And now we got to the end. But you wouldn't get to the end if you didn't do that movie first. Well, I think what's fun about that, too, is it's the first time you really see them work as a team. Yeah. Which makes that great. I mean, seeing them all individually, you know, fight their own battles, but then finally come together and do that one joint scene together was pretty epic. Yeah. I was going to say, it's really iconic from the Avengers, that one shot where it pans around all of them formed up in a circle. And you're just sort of watch when you watch the movie for the first time, you're like, holy crap, that's literally all the Avengers. Yeah, it's everybody. It's like, it's Captain America, Iron Man, like, it's all of them. You watch, as you said, you watch the individual movies, but it's like, nope, they're all there together. Right. Well, and especially you think of, like, however long before it is, like an hour and a half or whatever, they were ready to take each other's heads off just over Loki. Like, oh, hey, I need to take him back to Asgard. No, we need to take him because he's he's killed a few people. I I got the one scene that is so underrated that I don't think people appreciate enough is that scene when Captain America, you know, is dictating to the cops. You know, I want you to do this, do that. And the guy's like, who's, who are you? Then, you know, the shardy, the shardy jump down, they fight, he knocks him out. And then he's like, all right, I need you to go to 45th Street. I need this, that. And, you know, he listens yeah, without to that. Blank, that without blinking. It's such an underrated scene. I laugh every time I see that scene. Well, it's, a, it's the one writing style of Joss Whedon that, I mean, it really shows right through the first couple of Avengers. And like I said, for me, my favorite one is Winter Soldier because I'm a big comic geek. And Word. obviously, Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America is one of the best of all time. Right. And the fact that you could actually bring Bucky Barnes back from the dead, who is pretty much on, considered on the you can't bring him back list. Yeah. Well, with, with, I mean, with Ben Parker. He wasn't dead. 
Well, we find out now, <laughs> but for the longest time, he's always been, you know, considered gone and, you know, never coming back. So to see him get brought back in the manner he did and the redemption story per se that they've been doing with him in the comics and now in the MCU has been truly remarkable. Yeah. And with Avengers Endgame, though, I mean, you figure how the MCU started in 2008 with Iron yeah. Man. And at the time, Iron Man was nowhere near how popular he is now. No. By any question. No. So let me ask around the panel now. What do you think is the lasting legacy up to date now of the MCU starting with Coach? I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, the superhero movies can actually make for great movies, I think. I mean, a lot of, up until this point, you know, especially with how the Batman era ended in the 90s, it was mostly just about selling, you know, toys. And, you know, the Dark Knight, obviously, kind of, you know, uh, Batman Begins started to change that. But, you know, Iron Man really took Robert Downey Jr.'s career and, and, blew it up to yeah. the point where i mean now you know he's not doing a movie without making 10 million dollars so yeah. it's like yeah. you know what they did from a career standpoint for all those guys you know and all those girls it, obviously you can't speak enough to that and then just the fact that it set a franchise and and god what it did for disney yeah purchasing marvel i mean you can't even count <laughs> what it done for the, what it's done for them yeah no i think it kind of showed hollywood in general that like you know, you could do a, a move, shared movie universe that interconnected, and it didn't have to be something pre-existing. Because you think of before that, okay, you had the Harry Potter movies, but those were already pre-connected. Like, they just had to take what was there, adapt it for the screen, and make some changes. Same with Lord of the Rings. This showed that, like, okay, you can take something that is vast and large and make it into this behemoth juggernaut films and really interconnect it and make it successful. And you can pick from you, each yeah. story. You know, you yeah. don't have to go verbatim from the comics. You can take ideas yeah. and then put them into the movies. I was going to say, I'm going to go off what you said, Josh. I mean, you can look at other studios. Like, Warner Brothers has done it with DC. Um, yeah. they've, they well, also they attempted. Are, <laughs> they yeah. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll, we'll be here until next later month. Show here. Um, and then you got also like even just like the monster cinematic universe with Godzilla crossing over with the new King Kong and you had um what was it Universal was trying to do their yeah, monster monsters. one which it's like it that's even like another impact it's like people are really like all right well what can we sort of take and make it into our own universe like cuz Marvel did it with this it's like we have all this, these properties how can we put them together it's like yeah. you don't just think of that overnight without seeing like success that Disney did with Marvel it's like it's just crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see about that. Moose, what's your take on this? Uh, I think we're missing the whole genre that should be combining everybody, yeah. and that's our horror friends here. Why yeah. are why aren't we combining them the proper way? I mean, they tried, and it was Freddy versus Jason. I like that movie. That I, I think we've talked about this. I, I was a fan of that movie very much, so and it made a hundred million dollars. Let's let's point that out for a Freddy and Jason movie, hundred million plus. So I'm just okay, saying, okay. Uh, and Robert England wants to do one more. I'm just saying. Sure. I'm just saying. He's throwing the karma out there, folks. We can do this, and if they do it right, it could make sense. It, it could, but you got to look at just where they started with Marvel. When Iron Man took off, I mean, they were just coming out of bankruptcy or just refinancing everything. So if Iron Man didn't succeed, you have to think the company probably would have gone under. Right. I mean, to be fair, it almost could have gone. I mean, Marvel. Iron Man was a success, but like Hulk was awful. awful. That, and yeah. that, that followed it up like right after. And it's like, and that could have even been like, hey guys, all right, we had one, a good one. The second one wasn't. Do we really want to keep going? And with even this? Thor wasn't great. Thor like, was not great. It was not. It was a good movie, yeah, but I mean, 
it didn't follow well with Iron Man because then you go Iron Man, then a bad Hulk movie, and then yeah. a bad Thor movie, and yeah. it's like maybe we even, can't do this. Even Iron Man Two, in my opinion, was like it wasn't. It didn't capture like the thrill that I got from the first one, and it's right. Like, so it's like. It wasn't. It was like Iron Man and Captain America were like the two uh, movies, in my opinion, from Phase One that I could easily be like, okay, yeah, those are solid movies. Like I like those ones. I do enjoy Thor, but I will agree with you, it's not as good as like you don't get like the Iron Man feel. From right. It. You're just kind of like, all right, it's fun to watch Chris Hemsworth hit I, guys I, with a hammer. I do have to say, Derek will disagree with you about Incredible Hulk, and he will definitely have some words with you after the show <laughs> about this. Well, I, I see him right in the front row, and he definitely wants to jump on and say something. Well, and the other thing too is like you had they had to almost break kind of the stereo type that came with comic book movies where like you think back to the original Superman with Christopher Reeve where what was it the entire plot was like Lex Luthor wanted to saw off part of California and sell it as real estate like I'm sorry oh, that's brilliant no yeah but in terms <laughs> that of that like, is capitalism I mean that is brilliant <laughs> yeah but like you gotta like to legitimize it and like, okay, you're going to get your diehard comic book fans to go. That's not an issue. It's it's like with anything. You had to get the people who like, they know who the characters are. They might not know, not know who they are, but you got to give them in, in the seats and you got to give them like a legit plausible story. You do. And especially for Marvel taking the shot doing this because of how they played the long game and, yeah. and how it worked because we live in a day and age that an Ant-Man franchise is actually successful. Yeah. And the Guardians of the Galaxy is taken from being the forgotten franchise of the future to now one of the biggest titles they have going for yeah. Marvel. And well, just, that was all casting, though, too. Well, it was a little bit of casting, a little yeah. bit of luck, because if if it didn't connect with fans, it would have got canceled. I mean, take a look. Marvel, we, we do forget that they did fail with a couple projects in, they, human, in Humans. They. And Iron Fist was not exactly the biggest hit coming out. I See, I listen, I actually liked the Iron Fist show. I mean, it wasn't great. I'm just saying, like, it was good. For being a Netflix show, it yeah. was all right. Yeah. And considering that that is under the MCU banner. Right. Because at the time when they decided to start branching out because the movies were doing so, so successful, they tried tying it into their TV universe. Whereas when if you want to compare DC to that, DC did not start out doing a shared universe, even though no. they showed it could work for them on their television networks because, I mean, obviously one of the biggest crossovers coming to TV this fall is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. And I don't think if Marvel was so successful with what they did with the MCU, because let's face it, once they got to the Avengers, yeah. they established every character for the most part. Yeah. With an origin, you knew who they were, it was an easy, accessible point that they could just jump in and fans could connect with them. Right. With the exception of what, Hawkeye maybe? Yeah. So you have to see the success they did, and now where it's kind of spiraled out to where we got with Endgame right. and Infinity War, because at this point, this was the buildup of all the years of the movies. The characters are all connected somehow, albeit they took one of the biggest storylines of the Infinity Gauntlet and made their version of it. Obviously, if you yeah. read the comic, is a completely different way. And to see it pulled off is truly a remarkable feat. Well, I think the biggest thing that we, you got to give credit to is Feige. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it, without him, who knows where this goes? You know, I mean, that's the one thing that when you talk about DC that they're kind of missing is that one man in control overseeing everything and is tied to every film. And because they have that one directive control, he's able to refocus films that maybe would have gone, you know, that route and bring it back in and say, no, 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 we got to steer it in this direction because this is what this story needs to tell to get to the next movie. Right. All right. And I like how you put, you brought this point up, too, because now with Endgame being over. Yeah. The first three phases of Marvel's MCU is done. Yeah. We now step into uncharted water. Yeah. With phase four. Now, we have heard some of the projects that have been announced, and especially we're going to include the Disney Plus shows, too. Sure. The next movie coming out is Black Widow. Yep. Then we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. We have the What If series, but I'm not really counting that one involved. Sure. With it. We have the Eternals, which is coming out, which 
can go either way. Yep. We have Loki, which comes right out of the Avengers Endgame storyline. Hawkeye is coming out at some point. Yep, WandaVision. WandaVision is coming out. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, but yeah, no, there's some good stuff coming. So let me ask you this. Where do you think is going to be the biggest hit coming out of this that can you know reignite the torch of Marvel? I mean, personally for me, I it, the Eternals right off the bat, I think is probably the the one movie that needs to make the biggest impact just because they're this phase is Guardians of the Galaxy. They're just they're not really known. And I mean it's kind of an outside backdoor way to bring in the X Men and mutants into the genre because or back into the MCU because I think for me that's where really this phase four needs to go is they really need to bring those properties that they got back from Fox into the fold because you can't go on without, you know, having, you know, uh, a good Fantastic Four film, which I think they would nail. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's probably going to be uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, just because when you open, you know, kind of the Pandora's box that is multiverse and anything and everything you can do with that, that's where I think you can have some fun and really introduce some crazy things. See, I'm actually going to go with that one, too, but not for your reason. I like the fact that it's supposedly going to be sold as a horror movie. Yeah. And that's where I think it has the potential to reinvent the wheel a little. It's like, okay, you can keep making movies with like the same characters, but in my opinion, if you don't change up the type of movie you're making, it's not really going to do much. Like you could have done another Thor action movie for the third one. And it probably would have ended up like dark world where, okay, it's got good special effects, good action sequences, but it's totally forgettable. They instead decided to make it a Thor Ragnarok, a total comedy and it's honestly one of my favorite movies in the MCU. If you can now reinvent the wheel with Doctor Strange and it's like with all the magic and stuff, like, yeah, we're going to make a horror movie now. That kind of can open the door to potential other um, avenues you can go, like for when you finally get to Blade. Because Blade should also be another horror one with, okay, if you're dealing with a vampire hunter, you shouldn't have a cookie-cutter action movie. Like, that no. one should be brutal. Well, that's what they were in, not the MCU, but that's, you know, Venom was pitched as that with Sony. And it wasn't scary at all, but that's no. what they tried to pitch it as. It was going to be a horror film. And, I mean, I think the, the superhero horror film is something that definitely, you know, they could do right in the MCU. Yeah. Moose? Uh, the key to doing what they do is to make it accessible to anybody. Sure. Mm-hmm. You look at the Avenger movies, even, even the very last one, Endgame, right? Yeah. yeah. If you've never seen an Avengers movie and you came in cold, they kept giving you plot points of everything that's happened up to this point. So you could watch that movie and not know anything about these characters and instantly start to learn about these characters, but not do it in a way that people that have watched all 25 films or whatever it is are annoyed by that. They're very smart in that regard in that most of these movies, they reintroduce the characters in a way that diehard fans are happy but you can just digest it. It's easily digestible to people. I think that's part of the reason why the DC movies didn't do so well. Right. Because they're not accessible. The Batman is, you know, is killing people, uh, which probably shouldn't happen. Superman is going nuts and screaming all the time and literally destroying all the buildings and people that he's supposed to be saving, which was the whole point of Superman. Uh Marvel's been very careful to protect their characters better. Well, and especially you bring up the whole making Endgame accessible for people. You, the, like, even if you haven't seen any of the films, 
like within the first what half hour to hour of the movie, they give you the plot points, the bullet points of okay, here's the stones, here's what they are, here's where we've seen them, and let's go. Yeah, it's something that for looking at what they have coming out. I mean, Shang Chi is coming out, and I think that that could be a very sleeper film. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I love yeah. the fact that we're actually going to get a Mandarin final, a proper, yeah, a, yeah. a proper Mandarin, not the one that was in Iron Man three. Because I think where Iron Man kind of tailed off. Iron Man two, in my opinion, is the worst MCU movie. Okay, and in my opinion, I I do not like the movie at all. And I think Iron Man three, they kind of like lost their way. Because I know John Favreau wasn't the director. Well, yeah, the they uh, right. new direction for director and everything. I yeah. liked where they wanted to go with Iron Man three. I just like they wanted to deal with Tony's the the fact that Tony is literally just a human in a suit. Right. I just don't think it it wasn't executed well in my opinion. Like yeah, I, I agree. I, like I said, I liked where they were going with it, but it just didn't. It fell and flat. The extremist storyline is so cool that it was like it was there, and they just failed so bad on executing that plot point that they were trying to drive home. And then just bringing out and just throwing out the Mandarin just to throw it out there yeah. was like, this is such a character that is uh, has such a love in the MCU comics that like, I mean, when I w- was watching the Iron Man comic show back in the day, yeah. I the Mandarin was like, I would be creeped out because he's such, such a scary character. Yeah. And then you get this just dud of a delivery in the movie. It was just like, why do that to me? Well, why? especially the concept of like, okay, Tony dealing with you know, the ramifications of what happened in Avengers and like just mentally what that would do to him. Like you flew to an, you like you got transported to another part of the universe and you almost died. Like that's not something you grow up learning about on Sesame street, you know? So I like, I was okay. I'm like, I get that. I'm fine with that. Just like uh, Brian said, didn't exactly stick the landing. No, it definitely didn't. I mean, and just going looking at what else is coming out too. I mean, this really doesn't excite me so much. And I think that, there are a couple wins that they can have. Like yeah. I think Shang Chi will be good. Eternals yeah. is my biggest question mark. For me, that reads like Inhumans. Okay, but, that, mean, but that's why to me it's the it's a make or break movie. It is a make yeah. or break movie. But if you're not familiar with the characters, it's Greek gods meet cosmic mythology. Yeah. But that's but, exactly why. I mean, if you if they can't nail this movie and it it's a dud. That's a really bad direction for Phase Four because there's a lot of pressure on that movie to be successful because of the ramifications that could come from it. Well, I think because it's going to tie into it, and I apologize, I'm probably going to be dropping some spoilers. If you're not familiar with the Eternals comic, they do have a small connection to Thanos, yeah. right? In it, and I fully sense that that's the first time we're going to hear the word mutants. Uh, exactly because of how they deal with evolution and such. I think that that's going to be the only real prevalence because I know they added Kit Harrington as the Black Knight. Yeah, and if you know anything about his history as an Avenger and Cersei, who's one of the characters in the Eternals, right? You understand why he's been added. So I really don't know exactly how that's going to translate, especially with how the Disney formula is, right? Because let's face it, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok are very similar in their style. They're very Disney films. They don't feel like Marvel films to me. Okay. And, just, and just how they're delivered, because I think they add a lot of humor to it yeah. instead of just kind of focusing on the story. I mean, that's my take. Although, on it. to yeah. be fair, I think that's part of the reason why, like, that's definitely why I like Guardians is because of the humor. And also, this is where it could, like, what Duffy's saying is, like, no one really knew who the Guardians were, like, when they no. said, oh, yeah, we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy. And I remember watching the trailer, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I am legit watching a raccoon shooting people in this trailer, right? Like, I'm actually seeing that, and it's like you look it up, and it's like, oh, yeah, Guardians are a thing. They're just so forgotten about. Well, yeah, literally a comic that was stopped for 10 years yeah, well, because yeah. it wasn't selling. Well, that's the thing about the comics, because when Abnett and Landing came back and started and re-energized the franchise, that's when you see the current incarnation of it. And right. they really took it and made it into something very different than what was already previously set up in the 90s. 
So to see that get translated, okay, the humor in there works. But I think yeah. you know how they flip Thor because they found out Chris Hemsworth has great comedic timing, yeah, right, and, and can really deliver on that role. And really, you see how they did the previous Thors and how they switched it. It's a day and night difference. Oh yeah, so, but there's still connection to that. There's still connection to those original stories, right? There's still connection. But I think that if everything is like this and how they're going to try interpreting the Eternals in that formula, right? I just don't know how that's going to work. I, well, I but to me, I don't see the Eternals being that type of film. I I feel it with the casting that they've already put out so far. I feel as though it's going to be more of a serious movie. You know, if you got Doctor Strange being a horror film, yeah. like I actually see the Eternals being this like more of a not necessarily a darker storytelling, but mm. more of like a impactful, like deep storytelling because there are these are gods that they're dealing with. Right. There's definitely going to be jokes in it, and it's going to be a little. Sure. There's going to be a little like, humor, but it's not going to be like over the top like some other movies have been. Right. Right. Moose. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, man, I'm really glad they came out and said that uh, Chris Hemsworth was the uh, star of the next Thor movie. Am, am yeah. I the only one that's? Yeah, it's not a Lady Thor movie. Can I be happy about that or no? Because Natalie Portman is returning to the franchise, and they are going to do the Jason Aaron storyline. Yeah, no, 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 I get that, but they've they've come out and said because when it first came out, she's twiddling the the hammer like, look what I got on the Thor. And they, it was kind of leaking out that she was a star. Right. And maybe Chris was going to be like a minor role at best. And now they've come out and they said, no, 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 it's, it's still a Thor movie. It's still a deal for him. Right. Well, I think, I, I think that's a good point because, I mean, I think that's kind of the problems with the first two Thors is that it was too much of a love story and too focused on that narrative. That, that's why Thor Ragnarok also is so good because of the fact that they removed that love thing out of the, of the equation and it's just straight thor which is awesome well and i think the other problem that we you run into and stuff that we haven't even touched on like captain marvel right she they did this this big play for captain marvel and then she came out and she's like i'm all about women power and then that turned off a lot of people they're like wait, 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 just make a movie don't make it political right and then they did this lady thor thing and it's like what are you guys trying to do here? Why are you reinventing the wheel? Just put out a movie. Doesn't have to be anything special. See, I disagree with you on that. I thought that <laughs> what they did with that made made a lot of sense because if you've been reading the comics lately, Jane Foster does pick up the mantle of Thor and how they did the story, it works and it makes sense. So I like I don't struggle with that. And the Captain Marvel backlash, I thought in my opinion, was completely overrated. Like I thought that they needed to establish who she is in the comics and, yeah. they, and I thought they did a very good job doing it. But I think though it was another case of Disney added a lot more humor into it. And I, it and, should have been. And I think with a lot of these movies they're like, okay, realistically Disney wants to keep these things going because well they're, oh, yeah. ma they're making they're a making lot of money off of it. But unlike the comics where the characters seemingly don't age for eighty plus years, uh, actors and actresses do. So you got to change it up and you got to introduce some new blood and, and, and some different folks into it because, I mean, Chris Hemsworth can't be playing Thor when he's like over 50. Well, I think that's the problem with Captain Marvel, too, was it, where it was placed and how they did the movie with it being, a, a, you know, a prequel before, you know, the, it, first off, it's the movie right before Endgame. Mm. It's also a prequel way back in the 90s when none of this really like it, it was kind of forced into the plot line just to drive her to Endgame. Yeah. But I still like the movie. I mean, they could have just done it as a standalone film and not needed to put the Tesseract or anything like into it and just had it be a standalone movie to introduce her. And I would have it would have been fine. But I just think that because of where it was in the timing that 
And because it was the first game before Endgame, everybody was like, this has to lead to something. And when it didn't, I think that's what created the backlash. And that's what really drove people to be like, no, this is just this was not not necessary. They just put this out to put it out. And that and that's a foolish take, you know, because she is the most arguably the most powerful hero in the MCU. Right. And what else could they have done? I mean, they had to introduce a character. Mm-hmm. That was as powerful, if not greater, than Thanos. They yeah. had to, and especially I think because once they got the ball rolling on that, and obviously from the phases they've been doing, trying to introduce characters, you know, when they've added Black Panther to the mix, yeah. right? And where they're they're going to be the the major focal points going for the next phase moving forward, especially with if they're doing the Ultimates book, yeah, or if they're going to title it again Avengers. I mean, those are going to be the two characters that really stand out, and they had great movies that came out solo. I mean, I love Black Panther. I think it's one of the best movies they've done, sure, yeah. by far, sure. My only issue with Captain Marvel was I thought they made it to Disney because, I'm sorry, scrolls do not cut jokes yeah. by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So now going in with that, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm more excited about what's coming after. Yeah. We, we finally have a confirmation date of Black Panther 2. That's May 2022. Yep. Right. It's arguably rumored Namor is going to be a part of it. Yeah. Which, which would be crazy. Well, I hope it's they're going to do like a political thriller. That it's going to be like Wakanda versus Atlantis, but I want to see a different take on it. Sure, right. Than just the you know the standard superhero fight. Obviously, we know Fantastic Four is going to be coming. Uh-huh. Blade is coming with Mahershala Ali. Yep. Which I mean, to see them reboot that franchise, I think is going to be great. Oh yeah. Like, and whenever they decide to do whatever they're going to do with the X Men, yeah, I think is going to be really interesting. And obviously, they've been given a lot of room now to work with with Disney Plus coming out with all the shows yeah. they have coming. So I think it's going to be an interesting phase moving forward that they can really jump in and set the bar. Yeah. Right. So it really depends on what happens from there. Because like I said, I'm looking at the list on phase four, and nothing is really jumping at me too much other than Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because I think it's going to, again, follow the Brubaker story of how Bucky and uh, Falcon resolve who is Captain America after Steve Rogers. is See, I'm actually going to say the one I'm looking forward to most from Phase 4 is probably the Hawkeye series because I don't care what anyone says. Hawkeye is actually like one of my favorite Avengers. I think he's just cool. Like I've always liked him ever since I watched the first movie. Yeah. So I kind of hate the fact he's the only one who hasn't gotten a solo movie. (laughs) Well, I love and I mean, Jeremy Renner just cap, you know, he captures that character real well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what part of it is. I like Jeremy Renner. as It's like I want to see him in a solo like Hawkeye movie. Yeah, sure, I agree. I think the other interesting one's going to be the What If series that's coming out for Disney Plus, where it's you know it's an episode for every film in the cinematic universe, and just being a person who loves kind of that almost what you know, no pun intended, What If from different franchises, you can definitely have some fun with that. Where you know you can have, go back and do something wild with Ant Man or, or Guardians of the Galaxy too, or and just what just to see what they can do with some of those films that you love so much and go, oh my god, I never would have thought of that. And let's not forget about what recently got announced for Disney Plus. We have She Hulk. Oh, the elephant in the room. Yeah. We have She Hulk. We have Miss Marvel, and we have Moon Knight. Yes. So let me ask the panel: What's your takes on those characters now joining the MCU? I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about them. So I mean, I'm going to give the shows a shot to give it, a, yeah. you know, see what it is. I, I just want to know, like, if because what they did with Netflix was is they tried with those Marvel shows to really tie it to the universe, and then they just, you know, you could feel that it wasn't fitting in well. So I want to see where these shows land as far as what the universe is, you know, the Marvel U- Cinematic Universe is tied into. Right. And if those shows land and do well, I'm all for it. No, I'm definitely excited for the Moon Knight one just out of the three of them just because I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of things, p- characters you can introduce for that that maybe don't necessarily need to be in a full-fledged film. Yeah, I mean, there's so many characters you can add, and those three really stand out to me for different reasons. I mean, She-Hulk, if they especially if they focus more on her lawyer background, 
I think would be a cool take on the MCU that we haven't seen a core drama. No. Miss Marvel is <laughs> arguably crazy. one of the best characters that Marvel's came out with in the past 20 years. She-Hulk, directed by Dick Wolf. So, well, She-Hulk can be, bum, but, bum, Ms. Dun, dun. but I think Miss Marvel is going to be the standout one of that, and I can't wait to see her team up with Captain Marvel and whether they go with the next friend. Not only does she road. defend you, she'll also smash you. And plus Moon, <laughs> plus Moon Knight, we don't know what's going to happen there. No. Because whatever take they do, if the recent more violent Moon Knight stories really don't fit the Disney Plus formula by yeah, any means. They're, well, but they're more built for Hulu. And especially with them doing the Adventures and Fears um, stories where you're going to see uh, Hellstorm is coming there. Yeah. They, they just canceled Ghost Rider. But supposedly he's going to be added to a uh, film. Yeah, which we'll have to wait and see which one that's going to be. There's a lot of good things they're doing, but for me, Miss Marvel's the one that stands out. Honestly, um, I'm kind of with Duffy a little. I don't really know too much about like Ms. Marvel or Moon Knight, so I don't really care about them. She-Hulk, I'll just be honest, I don't care for. I, I know the character, and I just do not care for a She-Hulk series, so that one I'm just going to pass on. But the other two, I don't know enough about to say that I'm excited or not looking forward to it. I'll definitely give them a shot, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't go wrong with that because Disney Plus is going to be the best deal come out this year, bar none. Moose, do you have any takes on these characters? No. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but well me, said. Well, let me ask you this, then. because Moose one the, has spoken. One of the more breaking news is of the MCU lately has been Marvel and Sony have worked out their deal for Spider-Man. They made up. What's your take on that? It's the best news that we've heard, uh, mostly, uh, in a long time. The, the, the fact is, Spider-Man is the most likable, easily digestible character they have going right now. Yeah. It's, it appeals to everyone, from kids to adults to everybody. Um, to take him away from the MCU is disastrous for Sony because... They're able to, one, use the, um, uh, the other characters within the MCU to help build Spider-Man to be bigger than what he is. Yeah, sure, doing the Spider-Man Venom movie would be cool. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is Spider-Man and MCU is, is better at the end of the day. And there's no reason why they can't work out a deal to have Spider-Man and Venom in the same thing. The, the fact of the matter is you look to see who's going to be the leaders of the next generation of, of Marvel. Spider-Man should or uh, will be at the top of the list. He, they're looking at him as the replacement for Tony. That's the whole point of the, the, the movie that just came out was, can he be that guy? And he's just a kid. So there's a lot, of, a lot that they can do with him that I feel like they would have um, hampered by taking him away from that situation. And, yeah, he has his own stories and he has his own things, but that doesn't mean that it will be done well. That's why we've had three different Spider-Mans in the course of whatever it's been, 10, 15 15 years. years. Yeah. Um, So they're getting it right now. Why change that up? Why make it different? And there's more stories to tell with the characters that are in this universe. The, the, it's stupid to not have him do that, and it's stupid for Sony because they're going to make a boatload of money out of this. Yeah. I, I just I couldn't have imagined Sony trying to do anything with this character that would have landed. Right. The backlash alone would yeah. have been insane. It's just 
to, to I understand that you you know it's a negotiation and you're trying to reap the best benefits for yourself. But at the end of the day, you have a cash cow oh, yeah. right now with Spider Man oh, yeah. that. If you just continue to do what you're doing, you are going to make a buttload of money. And at the end of the day, cash rules everything around me. Cream, get that dollar bill, y'all. And that's the only thing that matters. And if for them to pull the character out, they would have only lost money for themselves. And furthermore, I mean, the fact that Spider-Man's new story is tied so much to Tony yeah. that if you would have ripped him from this universe and then tried to put him into a Sony film and not be able to, to tie, off, tie back... To the fact that the man who gave him his suit, gave, you know, was Tony Stark, you would have been having to do another origin story that people would not have been there for because at the end of the, we've seen it three different times. Yeah, I mean, you, you really think about it like you know, if your grandkids or kids in the future are watching this this trilogy of films and that you they watch the first one and it's oh Tony's really helping him out and, and mentoring him and then the second one's him dealing with the ramifications of Tony's death. And then you get to the third one, and there's no mention of Tony. There's no mention of anything from the Marvel side of things. And your kid or grandkid's sitting there going, wait, what happened to all those characters and all those people I know? Ah, well, hold on. Let me sit, sit down, uh, Junior. I got a 15-minute story to tell you about corporate business and all that. No, it's good to have him back in the franchise and back in the fold just because it, 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 we've seen Sony Spider-Man movies before. A couple good ones, but by and large, not good. Yeah, no. The only thing I really would like is I would like to see uh, Tom Holland fight uh, Tom Hardy. That that would be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, we would all love to see a Venom Spider-Man movie. It's just, I mean, I think, and like they said the other day with that press release that yeah. Spider-Man universe is, you know, he's the only character that can do that. So I feel like that will pay off at some point. I think it's a starting point for Marvel and Sony to kind of start sharing universes. Yeah. Because, obviously, with how successful the Tom Holland Spider-Man-verse has been thus far, Marvel definitely didn't want to give that up. Sony's making money. Everybody's making money. So, I mean, that's ultimately what's the bottom line with that. And I think that them keeping him in the MCU is a great move on a lot of different points. Obviously, the Spider-Man franchise will be good. They can keep him with the Avengers, so it's a win-win situation. Plus, I think it opens the door that if Marvel's allowing... Tom Holland to go into the Venom universe. Right. That is sorely needed. Yeah. Because Venom 1 was good, not great. But I think it was it hampered a lot because Spider-Man wasn't involved. I've, I also, I also so think, hard. in my opinion, with Venom was they did want to make it a horror, like a more hardcore movie, but they toned it back for PG-13 for sale purposes. That That's just my opinion. Because from what I understand, the second one is supposed to be R-rated with Carnage there, which it has. It to be has to be. You're doing yeah. Carnage, you have yeah. to be R-rated. Yeah, there's. No but it's just like that. I feel like if because there were definitely parts where you could tell they edited the they edited um, Venom where it's like okay, this was supposed to be a more gruesome kill, but you gotta sort of just imply that's what happened for right. a PG-13 rating so you can boost sales. Yeah, which from a business standpoint makes sense when it's like okay, if you're starting this new offshoot of. Um, comic book movies all right you you got to make money to open that door sure sure yeah because if you don't it's not going to work well and we saw with with wolverine you can tell an r-rated superhero movie and it still be successful yeah well so I, it's not to say but i know it's not that's not disney's it's cup not, of tea but yeah, right. i mean at the end of the day you can do it yeah that's the thing they'd have to do it under a different banner if they were going to do it and if they want to start moving their more edgier heroes and anti-heroes over there to do it i think it'd be a smart move just do it under the sony banner then you don't have that backlash towards your brand right and obviously well but the problem though is tom holland's going to be tied to that brand there's no there's no removing that 
from him because that's what he's tied to. Well, if he does like a cameo, like let's say for example he's involved in the Morbius movie that's right. coming out next yeah, year, yeah. then okay, you can have him in that, but it's not recognized as he's involved in it. He's just in it, right? Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, though, when people because I mean, unfortunately, not all of us are entwined and in, in depth with what's going on. Sure. But when they see Tom Holland, they're going to associate that. Oh, it's a Spider-Man movie. Regard- yeah, and it's a Spider-Man movie. They're going to tie it to that regardless. And that, I think that's the biggest problem with Disney's standpoint. What they have to be careful with is if they're going to do a hardcore Venom movie, make it hard R, go that route, that's great. When they go and then try to do Venom and Spider-Man, and they can't do an R-rated Spider-Man movie. Right. Yeah. No way. You run into the problem that Predator and uh, Aliens ran into. Okay. Right? Two hard R franchises, and then they put them together to do the Alien versus Predator, (laughs) and they made it a PG-13 movie. And it bombed. It was horrible. Right. Well, it wasn't well written. It kind of eliminated a lot of what made both movies great. Didn't even follow the proper storylines. But the idea that they're doing these two hard R franchises and shoehorning it into a PG-13 to appeal to more people, it's not going to work. Exactly. So if they go that route with Venom, they have to be careful because if they try to then bring it back, they're going to alienate people that were like, oh, no, I like the violence. I like the blood. And now we're back to being a uh, kid's movie. They got to be careful with that. I think that's kind of what happened with the with Wolverine Yeah, when X-Men. That you know, it's you make that R-rated film, and then you try to make it another PG-13 movie, and then it just doesn't land. I mean, my thing though is you could still make a pretty brutal PG-13 movie. I mean, if you did a Venom Spider-Man crossover fight, I mean, it could very well be like the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I mean, there's the one scene at the end of the movie, which spoilers if you haven't seen the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> if um, you haven't by now, I'm sorry. <laughs> like when Green Goblin's fighting him in the warehouse at the end, it's like. It's a PG-13 uh, movie, but my God, that fight is brutal. Like, you see yeah. blood fly from, to- right. from Peter's mouth as he gets knocked through a wall. It's like, you could still make it. Like, you could just maybe go in being like, okay, this is a PG-13 movie, but it is going to be a little bit of an edgier one, like, where you start to kind of, like, so, like, you could still appeal to both people, like, kind of the more violence that Moose was talking, but it's also like, okay, you can still then, like, be more lighthearted in, at parts, yeah. too. Yeah, right. I just think the problem, though, is, is that if you take Spider-Man from Marvel and then put him in the Sony-verse yeah. and you do it after a Carnage Venom film that is going to be R-rated, it's going to be impactful because people are going to want to see it because it's Spider-Man done yeah. right, Venom done right, but it's going to be following such a, a, a gruesome story that it's going to be a difficult follow-up. So overall, would you say that now the next phase of Marvel, there is hope and that they're going to continue? Um, I mean, yeah. of course, they've made a bootload of money before. They're going to make a bootload of money now. There's always hope. Is there any contenders to the throne? No. 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 Exclamation D- point. I disagree. DC's okay. only, oh. in my opinion, like... Are you I disagreeing would... just to disagree? Nope. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get fully into it. Moose, what do you think? No. <laughs> see, see here, here's my take on no. this. DC is getting smart because they failed doing the shared universe. Sure. They can't do it. At this stage, they'd have to reinvent everything. Again. Because how they failed at Justice League, they didn't do the cyborg buildup. They didn't do the Aquaman buildup. They well, were hoping. They weren't allowed to. <laughs> I mean, well, the no, movie they, wasn't allowed to do that. But, they could, but no, but like how Marvel did it where right. everybody had their stand. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. The yeah. instant accessibility that worked 
for Marvel didn't work here because no. you were assuming you knew who those characters were. Well, and the problem with DC too is they rushed it. Well, they did because yeah. they tried. And I, and I would agree with that because, like, if you look at their solo movies, their solo movies are great. Like the Wonder Woman movie was good, Aquaman was good, Shazam was good. When they were just being movies, not trying to tie into one another. I, and, I mean, I I love Superman. I am a big Superman guy, and I loved Man of Steel. I was I, saying, loved, I actually did like Man of Steel. I yeah. didn't care it was darker. I thought yeah, it was actually I, a good take for the character. Think about the fact that a guy is an alien landing on a planet and has to assimilate himself to what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that that takes a toll on you. It's just like the Iron Man three or Iron Man three story where you. A guy is a man in a suit that just went to another dimension or another place. That stuff takes a toll on you. So the fact that the story, the Man of Steel story, was so just it, it, it had to be that. Also, and that's like, and that's why I personally am a favor of him killing Zod at the end of the movie. Like Same. that scream when he's hurt is like. In that moment, he literally chose, I'm going to be the last of my race. Exactly. It's like you don't just do that and be like, okay, we're good. I saved everyone. It made, I'm going to go home for uh, breakfast. It, for, you know, Man, Man of Steel made sense for this day and age because, I mean, let's be honest, superheroes, if you write them today, aren't going to be running around going, oh, shucks. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying with this yeah. is Marvel... Is I just had to go on my Superman soapbox. No. I couldn't. I couldn't walk away I, from. I, it. I appreciate. I like, yeah, I, I had to take. I had to make that. I take. was expecting that coming. <laughs> but for Marvel, yeah, they shouldn't lose a step. But there's so many uncertainties they have yeah. with this new phase coming out. Sure, because it's not the big names of Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, right? And obviously, getting Spider-Man back helps them. But I yeah. think for DC, with what they have coming out with the Joker movie, which is a different take, and obviously, it's not a DC shared universe film. DC got smart and they're going to do their own separate movies. Right. Which, sure. if they want to try going down the road and maybe doing a shared universe again, I would say I would, they'll already have it set I up. I would like to see a, a Wonder Woman uh, Aquaman team up movie. I think that'd be pretty cool with Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa well, again. Like, I'm, not like if they went down that road. Because, like, right now, it's like, okay, Wonder Woman has her sequel coming. Aquaman has his. But it, from, what it, from what is out there, and there's not much, it's just sort of like. Yeah, they're just going to be their own and solo that's And that's what movies. works for them. And yeah. I think that that's what's going to help them, especially with the new Batman franchise coming out, which is going to be the long Halloween that we've heard is rumored right. to be fact, yeah. which I am super excited about, that they're going to get back to basics, what works for DC. DC has great stories. They don't need to do the shared universe. It's nice, but I think if they were going to do it, they'd almost have to treat it like an Elseworlds and recast. But the problem is, though, is that when you're talking about, you know, we're, I mean, we're talking dollars here, I mean, yeah. not just movies. Marvel is always going to have that in their back pocket that they can put a movie franchises, you know, and put them together. And DC's never going to be able to do that because they don't have a Feige who can yeah. tie, who is in charge of each and every single film, has his fingerprints on all of them, and is able to steer them in the right direction. But I think this is that's kind of going against what Ken's getting at here is like, if DC's trying to make like, okay, we have great stories to tell. If we're just going to do like individualized movies, like okay, we're going to just do this story for the Joker. It doesn't have to tie into anyone. You don't need someone exactly. like holding the. You don't need like a Feige behind putting the Joker movie that's not going to tie into Aquaman two. Right. Like, you don't need that. And I mean, I get that, but I mean, what is the Joker going to make? Probably, you know, a hundred million. Give take. Give, Give take. take. Yeah. End game made all of the money, but you can't. <laughs> but you can't compare that to End Game. No. Endgame is its own. Yeah. But that but that's the thing though, is when you talk about successful films, it's not just, oh, I like that movie. Dollars and cents play into it. Oh, dollars and cents do play into it, but what I think is now with the franchises moving forward, 
Marvel, yeah. Marvel's Phase Four isn't it exactly well, and that's the, the biggest thing. We don't know what is right. going to lead to. And that's but, why I'm saying DC, I mean, DC can sneak in there. DC yeah. has Shazam two coming out with The Rock, yeah, playing Black Adam. That's already been, he's already said that enough on social media Meh. that For he's years. Be involved. Meh. But make a make a, a Superman film too. Make Superman two, and then you'll get me back. Well, because they're dropping the character. Well, with Superman, yeah, they're dropping, but they have the Suicide Squad coming out, which is Stark. Uh, the only thing that helps that is James Gunn. Well, James Gunn in the casting. The, yeah. The casting is a big point. Moose? I was going to say, uh, the cast is definitely going to play a big role in Suicide Squad. Like, And from what I understand, it's not supposed to tie into the first one. It's meant to just go back to, yep, we're doing a Suicide Squad movie, and you got, um, like, I'm happy to see Margot Robbie coming back. Um, and even Jai Courtney, like, I actually did like his Captain yeah. Boomerang. And like you said, though, James Gunn definitely is going to help a lot <laughs> with it. And then also you got Nathan Fillion from Firefly for uh, all you fans of that show out there. <laughs> well, right. Like I said, there's so many properties they have coming out for DC that they might be able to sneak in there. And, start, yeah. and, and especially when the new gods come out with Ava DuVernay directing, Tom King writing. I mean, you, you basically are going to out Eternal Eternals yeah. with that movie. Because that is the benchmark. No, that is the benchmark. Without question. Moose? No. <laughs> Stop no. with that. The the Wonder Woman movie was great. The the Aqua movie was great. The combo movie, eh, the, they they had, had to moments. redo it. But then I, I I read what the story was supposed to be and where they were going to build. I don't want to see that movie. I don't want to see the movie where we have a Batman and a Superman and a Wonder Woman and the world still blows up and we're all dead. What? That doesn't appeal to me. That's not the movie I want to see. I want to see Superman save people. I want to see Batman be dark and brooding and save people. I don't want to see... We don't have to do the the whole world is blowing up and everything is dark and scary movie. We don't. I mean, the Avengers lost. Yeah, the Avengers lost, but at the end of the day, it, the the world still was there. The world was still turning. There's just well, half the people half there. Of it. Yeah, yeah. That the the James uh, the, the movie that they were gonna make, it was like a dark wasteland. It was what Batman's evil visions were. It was just gonna be one horrible place, and that's not that's not what it should be. It's not, and so we're going to kind of have to wait and see what's going on because we're running out of time for the panel. So final thoughts on the MCU starting coach. Thank you. Thank you for great movies. Bad? I mean, really just thank you for, you know, to everyone involved with those movies for really getting me into comics because prior to that, you know, I, I read a thing here, to you know, every now and then, but it wasn't really anything too hardcore or in-depth by it. It was kind of like a casual interest that really after – Iron Man 1, and funny side story, when I went to go see Iron Man 1 with my brother, somebody told, I saw it weeks after it came out, and somebody told me ahead of time, hey, make sure you stick through the credits, there's a scene after the credits, I was like, oh, cool, thanks, so it's, of course, everyone knows the scene, Sam Jackson comes in to tell Nick Fury about the Avengers initiative, but because of when I saw it, the uh, AMC theater still used traditional film, they weren't on digital yet, (laughs) so halfway through the scene, the film burned, and everyone's sitting there going, wait is this part of the movie or did the film actually just burn? And then some people in the back of the theater actually started smelling something like, oh no, the film actually burned. Uh, I will say thanks because it actually let me uh, talk to people about the nerd stuff because they, when the Avengers came out, I remember like my, it was the, my junior year and senior year of high school, people were coming up to me and asking me about the new Marvel movies. Cause they're like, all right, you actually read the comics of this. Like, yeah. is this actually what happens? It's like, yeah. So I, they actually, like, you know, made me actually have a social circle. So, you know, I, good for that. I wasn't just a lonely <laughs> nerd in high school anymore. Moose, 
what do you want to take us home with here? Uh, the Marvel is better than DC. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's great. We lived in a, a cool time. You, you talked to people that went to see the original Star Wars, and they could say, I was there when the original Star Wars played in the theaters. I saw it. I was part of it. I, I did that. And we got our own generation of being yeah, able word. to say that we were there when this happened, and I saw it three times, and, and, and this and that. And uh, that's, that's a really something good take, special Moose. that we can say that we have that – if you weren't in this time, you just wouldn't experience it. Marvel has definitely set the benchmark that other comic franchises have tried to do, whether it be DC or even Valiant, which we didn't even have time to talk about. This is where Marvel has really succeeded in taking characters that probably would never have had a bright future and made them in the stars, such as Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy on big screen franchises. The next phase is going to be a lot of uncertainty, in my opinion. But I think the Marvel juggernaut will keep running and keep rolling and obviously Disney Plus will help out and the franchises moving forward are going to have a nice transition phase I think other comic companies such as DC can step in there and definitely make some noise but overall Marvel is still going to be the reigning champ thus far until proven otherwise or until New Gods comes out because that's my opinion (laughs) but I want to thank everybody in attendance for sitting through the panel this is going to get posted online as soon as we are done John here has some free swag for anybody who wants to pick it up so and our final goodbyes I want to thank my panel for coming down first and foremost Johnny Moose thank you for coming and stopping by excitewrestling.com for more information the what is it the exhibition hall is the official name the X is the official the name. The, the X. X. Yep. The X. They have a big show coming November 2nd, so ExciteWrestling.com for more information on that. Is yeah, that, yeah, ExciteWrestling.com. No E in Excite, except it, for at the end. Is X going to no give No E in the front. I'll okay. go with that. Is X going to give it to you? Yes. But you can't sing that because the lyrics are problematic. Yeah, a little bit. And trademarked, probably. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Thank you, Brian <laughs> Rhodes, for coming by. Yep, no problem. Thank you, your coach, my coach, Thank the you. coach, Coach Duffy. Ken, thank you very much for hosting. You did a fantastic job. And good night and Daniel Jones. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you so much for supporting the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. We'll see you next time.